Are you ready? Five days. Merry Christmas. Uh, my name is Stephanie. I'm one of the worship leaders here at Emmaus. Didn't the kids do a great job? Thank you guys so much. Um, but I have the opportunity to get to share with you this morning um, because our pastor, Nathan Oates, and his bride, Carmen, celebrated 20 years of marriage this week. Can we give them a hand? And he doesn't know that I'm doing this, but if we could all stand again, if you are a member of this congregation, if you know and love Nathan and Carmen, let's all just extend our hands out to them for a moment of prayer, and then I'll pray over the word as well. But Father, we just give you thanks for Nathan and Carmen. Thank you for their leadership. Thank you for your presence in their lives, in their home, and in their marriage. And God, we pray your blessing would continue would you cover and protect, lead, and guide them as they navigate life together? Bless this next 20 years and beyond, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. And God, would you also just watch over the word today? Would you allow it to penetrate our hearts and bring peace into our lives? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you, Nathan. Well, again, my name is Stephanie, and um, welcome to Emmaus Church Community, particularly to, you, to those of you that are visiting this week. We're excited to have you here. Um, I wanted to just start off saying that uh, we are in the middle of a, am I doing this right? Yes. Okay. We are in the middle of a sermon series called Searching for Shalom. Do you need me to have people pass stuff? Oh, yeah. Pass baskets. There we go. I did it. <clears throat> We're in the middle of a sermon series called Searching for Shalom, and we've heard that shalom, it's the Hebrew word that's translated to peace. This week, we actually get to focus on peace and what is peace. But before we jump into that, I want to talk about one of my favorite things in this season are Christmas movies. It's a guilty pleasure. Um, and I say that because for me, it starts as soon as Halloween. I actually watch White Christmas every Halloween. It's kind of my tradition. And that sets the stage for the next few months for me. I watch a lot of Christmas movies. And don't look at me like I'm crazy, because I know you guys do too. Um, but uh, one of the things that I started picking up, when you watch as many as I do, and by the way, I decided I'm not a connoisseur, because in order to be a connoisseur, you have to have like a good palate. <laughs> I will just watch anything, um, and most of them are not great. Um, but uh, one of the things that I noticed in all of the movies that I watch is that there, there are a lot of themes, other than there being a culmination on December 25th. You pick up on the themes. It's usually there is so much stress, and then you crash and realize what the, what the reality of Christmas should be, right? Or work is so hard, or families are horrible, or whatever it is. There's just no peace. And the lack of peace becomes the plot for all of our Christmas movies. Interesting, huh? So I wanted to show you some of my favorites. I'm going to give you the plot. You try to guess what it is. This will be a little game that we're going to play here. Um, the first one is, I have no peace at work. My boss won't even pay for coal so I can warm my hands. And he's even, be yes, people already got it. He's even being visited by three spirits. Yes, okay. So the first one, yes, Christmas Carol. Okay, here's the next one. We have no peace on vacation because we left our kid at home. Anybody? Yes. Okay. 
And here's the last one. I have no peace at my family Christmas party because I kidnapped a man and forced him to be my fiance. Nobody? Aha, yeah, holiday in handcuffs. Nobody knows that because it was a made-for-TV movie and I'm the only one who saw it. <laughs> so it was ridiculous, by the way. I still watched it to the end. It doesn't have a surprise. It ends exactly how you think. Stockholm Syndrome is alive and well. Okay. <clears throat> So anyway, there's no peace, and this is the theme, but here's the interesting thing. One of the major hallmarks of Christmas is peace. It's on our wrapping paper. We talk about it constantly. It's the candle that we lit this week. So as we're searching for peace in this season, why does it seem so much more elusive? Today I want to talk about this, but I think in order for us to escape that frenzy, we have to understand what peace is um, I also want to mention, I, I think this is worth mentioning at this time, um, it's not just the frenzy of the season that contributes to a lack of peace. There's actual wars in our world right now. I just recently went and heard somebody speak on geopolitical issues, and she said that this time we have 51 wars waging across the earth, more than any time in human history. That's pretty shocking. I even heard that there's a war going on in the stars right now. I won't go into that um, very much. There's a star war happening, maybe one. Um, but no, um, getting back to, uh, the, there is heaviness in the world. There's fear. There's real anxiety. Uh, things are not at peace. So there's frenzy, frenzy and there's peacelessness happening in the world. So in all of that, how do we find peace? Um, so today I wanna talk about the characterizations of peace so we understand it better, we know how to find it. So I wanna start off with something that peace is not. Peace is not the absence of chaos. So I went on a family vacation last year to Hawaii. Yay! Um, it was great, but I made a crucial error in that I had it on the calendar for eight months. And I've been told that if you have a vacation on the calendar, it's supposed to add to your excitement and anticipation. It kind of did the opposite for me because I realized what I was doing is I saw Hawaii not as a vacation but as an oasis from all my problems. So all the chaos I was going through at work and with family and in daily life, I kept saying, grit your teeth and get through it. It's okay if you have chaos and there's no peace because you will wash upon the shores of Hawaii in five short months, four short months, three short months. It's not coming. When is it here? So finally, I get to Hawaii and there's hurricane-level storm warnings. Palm fronds are flying across the air and washing away all of our patio furniture. My rental car wouldn't start because the engine was flooded. I have towels on the ground underneath the windows and the doors because we're just getting pummeled. And I thought, this is not what I paid for. <laughs> Where's the sun? Um, on top of which, I had deferred all of the peace that I needed to that trip. It was my oasis in the distance because I thought, erroneously, that peace was the absence of chaos. But if peace is the absence of chaos, can you have peace from a hospital bed? Can you have peace when you're waiting in traffic, working a 60-hour work week, have a diaper blowout at home? Can you have peace? The other thing that I feel that we, that kind of links into this, I'm going to take you to the nation of Israel. I actually had an, an opportunity to live in Jerusalem for a while. 
And the street that I lived on, it was this really long loop that went through a giant neighborhood. And the loop connected with one of the main thoroughfares in Jerusalem. And there wasn't any, there weren't any delineations of like, this is your neighborhood, and then don't go down there. But everybody knew you stay on this, from this house up to the main street, and you don't go past it. There was something that was known there. Now, the whole time that I lived there, there were no skirmishes, no violence, no incidents, but there was no peace. Because peace is not a ceasefire. It goes deeper than that. Peace is not the lack of chaos. It is not a ceasefire. Peace is the presence of Jesus. I want to read in Mark 4.35. This is the account of Jesus getting into the boat with his disciples. And they're going across the water. And in verse 37, it says, A furious squall came up, came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it nearly swamped. And what was Jesus doing? Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. He has some style. I love that. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Another version actually says, Peace, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And here's the interesting part. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? So here we have a storm that's sinking a boat. And I'm thinking if I was in this boat with my family and a storm was coming and water's on the inside, I'm not a professional sailor, but I'm thinking something's wrong. I'm nervous, right? I'm starting to get scared. Um, and if someone asked me, why are you afraid? It almost seems ridiculous. Why do you have to ask? Because I'm in peril. My life's in danger. Is that unnatural for me to feel that? No. That's exactly how you should feel. What was different in this instance that made Jesus ask the question? His presence. He was on the boat. He made the difference. When Jesus is in the chaos, something changes. There's a presence there aside from frenzy and madness and fear, there's peace. So if it's not having a stormless sky that brings peace, it's Jesus on the boat. I want to read Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Again, it's that trust, it's that faith that Jesus is looking for so his presence can bring that peace. So how else can we characterize peace? Peace is not acceptance of injustice. This is a little confusing, so let me explain. Peace isn't saying there are bad things and I am okay. Peace is not saying there's a lot going on, but as long as I maintain some sense of internal calm, I'll just keep on going on. Now, the reason I wanted to bring this up in particular is because this was actually the point that kind of got me stuck wondering why Nate asked me to preach on peace. Because I, yeah, someone's laughing. Thank you. Yeah, peace. It's like, ask me to speak on meekness or how to be short. I can't speak on those things. I don't know anything about those things. Um, 
But peace to me, I had always attached to that like, just go with the flow and just be passive and don't be affected and almost like the Buddhist mentality of have no cravings, no needs, just be okay and kind of enter into that meditative state so that you can, you know, get by and be all right. But that is not me at all. And I thought, you know, of all of the things in scripture that I'm not, it's probably, I'm not, I'm not really a peaceful person. I'm a loud person. But loud and peace are not mutually exclusive. Peace is not acceptance of injustice. It's not passivity. It's not not caring. Peace is bigger than this. Peace is the justice of Jesus. And I love this point because this is what I learned. The prince of peace. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What does a prince do when there is an injustice in his kingdom? He does something. He moves. He takes action. What does a prince do when he sees the broken and the exploited and those being hurt in his kingdom? He stands up for them. If peace is passivity and me just being okay, how selfish a life is that? It has to be for others. It has to be outside of myself. When we are told to put on the full armor of God, where we're getting ready for battle, what's the last thing that we put on? We shod our feet. We put on the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. We are taking peace to the world. It is action. It is movement. It's something that we bring. We don't sit back and accept. We go forth and we take. Also, the children of God, we are peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. They are called children of God, just like Jesus. So we make peace. We take peace. We bring peace. We, we bless with peace. And when I was thinking about who, who really epitomizes this in Scripture— in my old dispensation, thinking of it, someone who just kind of sits back and let things happen and just let go and trust, um, I really couldn't think of anybody that I would attach that to. Maybe, yeah, I couldn't really think of anybody. But if I'm thinking of someone who's advocating, who's bringing in the presence and making peace, I would actually think of John the Baptist. He prepared the way for the peace of Jesus to come in. But he was not a quiet man. He brought peace, but he was not passive. So it is the justice of Jesus. And finally, peace is not impossible. Oh, I was supposed to go through those with you. I'm just skipping ahead. Peace is not impossible. Um, I wanted to make this a major point because I, th I can think of areas that I think peace is impossible. Um, even when we're talking about the world, I think we're supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We're supposed to pray for peace on earth. I, I, don't, think, I don't think it's possible. Uh, when I think about certain relationships, when I think about um, certain thought patterns, when I think about certain family members, um, things that work, just doesn't seem possible sometimes. Friends, I want to tell you 
that it doesn't seem possible because it is impossible without Jesus. The miracle of a virgin birth, Jesus coming to earth, God in the flesh, God with us, that is the miracle of peace. Peace is Jesus. Jesus is the embodiment of peace. When he abides in your heart, in your mind, in your life, in your home, peace is there. When you take peace to a broken world, you're taking Jesus to a broken world. And let me explain very clearly why Jesus is peace. In the brokenness between us and God, Jesus brought peace between us. In the brokenness between me and you, between men and women, Jesus bridged the gap. He covered all of our iniquity, everything that broke us off from each other and from God, he brought that peace. We get to do the same. We get to accept the same. Is this exciting? I'm excited about this. I'm excited that this is a hallmark of our season. Peace with God, peace with one another, Jesus indwelling our homes and our lives. So as we talk about this, we're searching for peace with God and others. Um, We're going to actually break for the peace, the passing of the peace, which is what we do every week together. Um, And I'm going to invite Amy and um, Sandy up uh, while I talk at this moment. Um, But while we're doing this, I want you to think about where are those areas that we need the peace of Jesus, that I need the peace of Jesus is, is it that I need Jesus to bridge that gap between me and God to make that relationship whole? I want you to just think for a minute, is there something there that I really want to lean into and ask for Jesus to bring peace? I'm just going to give you a moment to just close your eyes, spend time just in contemplation or speaking with the Lord. Also, Jesus bridges the gap. He brings peace between us and others. He brings restoration. If God is just highlighting to you right now, if the Holy Spirit is just um, signaling to you that it's time for you to allow Jesus to walk in to a relationship, to bring a new level of restoration, I want to challenge you. Allow this week when you're with family, when you're with friends, even when you're in this room and you're passing the peace with each other, to actually pass peace, to share Jesus, bring the presence, allow him to bring restoration. Invite him in. Inviting him in is the biggest part of the battle. I, I wasn't planning on telling you this, but I had a, a relationship that was very broken. We could not communicate well. And something happened where I thought, this is it. This is when I'm finally going to be right. And I can finally throw, throw this back in her face and everything's going to, I'm going to win. And I just paused. This was by the grace of God. I paused and I said, Jesus, would you come in? And everything changed. I positioned myself in a way where what I wanted was to see God bring restoration. But more importantly, 
the person of Jesus was there. It was a miracle. It wasn't just me deciding on something different. It was Jesus, the miracle of the gift of Jesus. He was there, and he made a a restored relationship where I didn't see a way. So I want to challenge and and, uh, encourage you to respond to that call if God is having uh, having you look at relationships and bring um, the peace of Jesus there. And finally, um, peace to a broken world. Um, Where can we advocate? Where can we be a part? Where can we be peacemakers and peacetakers? One of those opportunities is actually uh, before us this week. Sandy's going to speak to us about our uh, next Compassion Project. Thank you. Um, We've been talking about our Compassion Plan over the last several weeks, and today we want to talk about the ministry that we have to our single moms. Um, about six or seven years ago, Nate and I were having a discussion about how we can meet the needs of people at Emmaus. And we were starting to discover that the group of people that had the most needs at that time were our single parent families. Um, Emotional needs, practical needs, and it was at that point that we decided to put in some forms of support for them. Uh, things like grocery cards, and we started a work day uh, every May, and things like that. And we were really excited to be able to come alongside these families. Um, so we have a video that we'd like to show you right now, and that's going to share a little bit more about uh, the ministry that we started a couple years ago. Jill Loya and I partnered together to start the Lincoln Single Parent Ministry. So here's just a little bit about that. I really have to say that the biggest need for me is to feel um, powerful in uh, my role as a parent that I'm equipped and that if anything is to ever happen that where if I hit a roadblock that I can call other people um, that are in the same situation that I'm in and um, you know bounce off ideas and and I've found that this group is, we're really, we are really good about um, reaching out to each other via our Facebook group. Um, it's, it's really a great resource um, that if there is anybody that needs help, that we, we are all working together. I was invited by another member of the group and I thought, you know what, that would be, that's a great idea so that I could maybe get some support and be around other like-minded individuals that are experiencing some of the same um, hurdles that I am and maybe bounce some ideas off. Like, are you going through this? This is what I'm experiencing. Is this normal? Um, so that was my first event and I haven't missed one event since. And all I need. Okay, so um, the group that we started a couple years ago has been wonderful to meet some needs uh, for practical support, for emotional support. We're continuing that group, and uh, it's been wonderful. 
So what we're, we're doing here at Emmaus is we're continuing our support and the area that we chose for the compassion plan this year has been um, our grocery cards. That is something that we continue to give out when uh, moms are in need. A lot of times we've given them out and the response I get is, oh, thank you so much. I wasn't sure how we were going to eat this week. So it really is meeting a need, and I just want to invite you to continue to give towards that group. Um, I'd love to see every family just do one card, a $50 card. That would be awesome. So uh, we have our compassion trees out again this week, and this is the last week that they're going to be out. So I encourage you at our peace time or after the gathering today to go over there and grab an ornament and a, a pledge tag for supporting one of our three groups. All right, thank you. Thank you. Would you all stand up with me, please? <laughs> 